Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. The first flights due to take asylum seekers from the UK to Rwanda under the government's new deportation policy has been cancelled. It's after a last-minute intervention from the European Court of Human Rights blocking the removal of those who'd been scheduled to be on the plane. Ministers have described it as a temporary setback in their plans and remain confident a second flight will leave the UK soon. But the policy itself has been highly criticised, with the Archbishop of Canterbury tweeting that deporting asylum seekers should shame us as a nation. The government's argued that the deportation plans are designed to stop criminal gangs from helping people get into the UK illegally. So what next for those people due to be flown to Rwanda? And should the government reconsider the policy over human rights concerns? Joining me now is Francis Swain, a solicitor for one of those people due to fly out on the deportation flight. So, Francis, it's been quite a hectic 24 hours for yourself. What do you make of the situation? Well, I think the intervention of the ECHR at the last moment for some of the remaining individuals on the air flight resulted in the plane being grounded. The client that Lee Day uh, had actually was not the client who had gone to the ECHR. They were one of the remaining few people who were to be taking off yesterday evening. But we approached the upper tribunal of the immigration and asylum tribunals and got an injunction quite late in the afternoon yesterday. And it was all quite last minute, wasn't it? Were you working sort of through the evening to get the injunction through? Very much so. My team was working very hard with the barrister that we instructed, actually for about 36 hours leading up to the final injunction. It's not always terribly easy to get hold of one's client. They don't always have telephones and the people who are looking after them on the coaches, taking them to the airplane, don't always have telephones either. So it was quite hard to get to him the notification from the judge that an order had been granted injuncting his departure. Very scary for all of us, wondering if he was actually going to take off, but uh, he didn't. And can you explain how the European Court of Human Rights injunction actually came about and how it effectively grounded the flight? Well, people will probably realise that uh, there had been a court process in England, which had started in the lower court, the high court, gone up through the Court of Appeal and on to the Supreme Court yesterday morning. When they made a decision agreeing with the lower courts, it enabled the solicitors who were acting for clients whose cases needed to go to the ECHR to make that approach. 
they made the approach. And in fact, it's really very unusual for the ECHR to intervene in, in, in the way that they did. But they felt that it was unsafe for the client who approached them to be transported to Rwanda uh, for an assessment of his asylum claim to be made. So they made it very clear that they expected that he should have that assessment in England and Wales, not anywhere else, and that no consideration for transporting him should actually take place until three weeks after that decision had been finalised. And the Prime Minister and Ministers have been responding this morning to what happened yesterday. What do you make of the Prime Minister's comments suggesting lawyers like yourself who are representing migrants were abetting the work of criminal gangs? Well, for me, it's absolute nonsense. I mean, uh, we're following through perfectly legal procedures. I mean, there is the law and we are lawyers who are here to help enforce it and ensure that appropriate arguments come in front of the court. I actually think the scheme which is currently proposed is something which will not in fact, assist in any way the breaking up of any gangs who are trafficking people across, you know, getting paid to profit from people crossing the channel. If the government really wanted that to happen, I think they tried to bring in policies which would prevent those gangs from profiting uh, and also provide safe channels, which do not currently exist unless you're coming from the Ukraine, for potential asylum seekers to approach the UK. And in a recent interview, Boris Johnson said the government welcomes asylum seekers coming to the UK through the legal routes. But you're saying there aren't any at the moment unless you're coming from Ukraine. The route has to be safe as well as legal. And at the moment, the system, you know, I think there are faults in it and there have been criticisms, but there is a system in place that works for the Ukraine There isn't for any other part of the world. I mean, there's one that's supposed to be in place in Afghanistan, but that's failed miserably. The Syrian safe route has long ago been closed up. Uh, There aren't really other routes. And I think it's the gangs themselves that need to be targeted in whatever way uh, criminal gangs can be targeted, which would make all the difference if, if the government is really focused on the gangs and their profiteering. So how has your client been coping with all of this? Well, I mean, he's found it incredibly stressful. Not a perfect English speaker. The uncertainty of what was going to happen to him, having made efforts to come here as a potential refugee claiming asylum. He's been a victim of of trafficking and enforced labour and potential torture himself. And he sought to come to our country as a place to offer him asylum. So the idea that he might then be spun off to another part of the world, I don't think it's relevant exactly where it is, in fact. It's the fact that he's come here to claim asylum and he's feeling that he might be spun off somewhere else completely different is very frightening for someone who's already been terrorised and fled their own homeland. And can you see a legal or even a political route going forward where this policy is actually scrapped? Well, the substantive hearing into whether or not the policy itself is a legal one is to be heard in July. We don't have a date yet, but it's supposed to be during July. I assume there will then be appeals, whatever side is successful, and we'll get a ruling from the Supreme Court. It would be then up to the government, I mean, they are our elected government, to see whether they wish to change laws 
to enable the policy to be legal if it's found not to be. Obviously, that's not something which people who are representing asylum seekers would wish to see happen, but it's a potential route for the government. I don't really want to speak on their behalf, but I'm sure they know that. (laughs) And what's your assessment of the situation in general, Francis? Does it sort of astound you that you're working to stop someone seeking asylum from being deported to Rwanda as a consequence? Yes, I mean, it's extraordinary on a sort of compassionate and caring level. Logically, it also seems a rather odd thing to be doing. There's plenty of other things that could be done with potential asylum seekers, not least fill the gaps in the job market, which are currently being also headline news, where there are so many jobs that need to be done. Uh, If we gave them the opportunity to earn a living while they're waiting for their asylum claims to be heard, that would seem to me a much better effect. Let's take a break now. Stay there for part two, where the Evening Standard's political editor Nicola Settle discusses the prospects of the UK pulling out of the European Convention on Human Rights to force through the deportations to Rwanda. It would be hugely controversial. And the government is already under the microscope over its respect for law and order. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Nicola Settle, the Evening Standard's political editor, joins me now. First of all, Nick, how do you think Boris will be feeling about the first flight being cancelled so last minute? I think probably mixed feelings on that. First of all, it throws the government's immigration policy into disarray and certainly more confusion. The government are insisting that the policy is to carry on and they could try and press ahead with a second flight. And they say that their preparations already underway for that. But it's far from clear how that can happen before there is a full ruling by British judges by the end of July into whether the policy is legal. So there's now confusion over the government's key immigration policy. On the other side, the fact that it is judges at the European Court of Human Rights who have actually effectively blocked the policy That politically for the Prime Minister is not that negative because he will be able to play on this to point to the fact that European judges are interfering in British decisions against the will of the British government. That will resonate well with lots of voters. So I think the country is roughly 50-50 split over the Rwanda policy. But certainly those who support it are likely to be angered by the fact that European judges have certainly at least temporarily to put a block on it. 
And do you think it's surprising that the government is backing this policy despite these last minute injunctions, but also all the criticism of it so far? Well, as I say, there's obviously lots of criticism from church leaders, reportedly even from Prince Charles in private. But if you look at the polls out there in the wider country, there are lots of people who do actually support it as a way of dealing with the issue of small boats crossing the channel, migrants risking their lives, some drowning in the channel. So it's not a completely clear-cut case where the nation is against it. As I say, some people support it, others don't. And Boris has suggested the UK could pull out of the European Convention on Human Rights to force through these Rwanda deportations. What's the likelihood of that happening? What the Conservative Party has proposed recently in its manifesto was to basically bring in a Bill of Rights to replace the 1998 Human Rights Act, which enshrined the European Convention on Human Rights into British law. So this would, wouldn't be so much pulling out of the convention, but basically changing the way that it is interpreted in British law. So just to be clear that the convention, which is basically the set of rules, was set up after the Second World War. And the UK was the, the first nation to ratify the convention in March of 1951. The European Court of Human Rights, that itself was set up in 1959, which rules on the clauses and, and details in the convention. The way all that was put into British law was through the Human Rights Act of 1998 under the Blair government. And certainly a number of Tory MPs are now saying that should be revisited. And what are the concerns if that did happen? Oh, it would be hugely controversial. And the government is already under the microscope over its respect for law and order. If you look at the Northern Ireland Protocol, it's accused that it would breach international law. If it pressed ahead with unilaterally tearing up the protocol it signed just over two years ago on trading arrangements with Northern Ireland after Brexit. So on that front, it faces questions over whether it respects the international rule of law. You've also got the Partygate scandal where the Prime Minister and the Chancellor were both found to have broken the government's own COVID laws which would be followed by millions of other people during lockdown and other COVID restrictions. So the government risks getting a reputation here of playing a bit fast and loose with the law if it decides that it wants to pull out the convention or rewrite the way it's interpreted in Britain. Its supporters would argue that the world has changed since shortly after the Second World War and therefore the way human rights are interpreted in Britain should change as well. That's all from The Leader. There's more on this story in the evening Standard newspaper and at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.